Good morning. How are we doing? Awesome. Well, like uh, like you said, I'm the worship pastor here, and uh, Nor- George is normally here. George is actually teaching up at Bethany today, or that's just the church that planted Whitewater, which is pretty cool. So he asked me to teach. Um, he is going to be at Starting Point after church at his house, if you guys want to come to that. I'm planning to show up, too. I'm going to be a little late, but uh, if you want to do that, make sure you throw in your connection card so we can get you his address, so we can see you for lunch. It'd be awesome. But uh, we've been in this series called A Full Life. Um, and it's been about how to find joy um, through all circumstances, through trials and hard times and through pruning. And one of the things that happens when we start to find joy through hard uh, periods of life is people start to notice. Because that's not a typical response. And so George asked me if I would teach on how to share the joy that we, that we have. Um, and that's actually a really... Um, it's a soft spot in my heart. I'm really passionate about this, and I'm very excited to get to teach you guys this morning. Uh, the verse I'm going to kind of teach from is in 1 Peter 3.15. It says, Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life, which is what we've been learning in the full life, how to have joy in all circumstances. And then it says, If somebody asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Uh, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today. So I thought it might be easier if I, uh, rather than ramble on up here, if I kind of made a little video that kind of gave the four, my four kind of tips for having great spiritual conversations. Um, so we'll go ahead and show that now. Having spiritual conversations can be kind of frightening and scary at times. I wanted to take a moment uh, to give you my four practical tips for having great spiritual conversations. Tip number one, always assume that you're the smartest person in the room. That's ridiculous. Everybody knows that science isn't true. Using belittling tactics can also help establish your dominance in the conversation. Did you believe in evolution? (laughs) Tip number two, when quoting scripture, always make sure you use the appropriate translation. You know, in Deuteronomy it says that he that is wounded in the stones or hath his privy member cut off shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. That's truth. Tip number three, it doesn't really matter how you say it as long as it's true. The Bible says that truth will never come back void. Hey, hell's no picnic. Hell's no picnic. And tip number four. Sometimes actions just speak louder than words. This hurts me more than it hurts you. What the heck, man? Those have been my four tips for having great spiritual conversations. Although you can really sum them all up in the golden rule of having spiritual conversations, which is win. Always win. Win. Always win. You guys have a great day. If the Bible slap looks like it hurt, it did. I got him. I got him really good. Uh, obviously, that's a joke. We laugh about that, but I do want to. I do want to make a, a little caveat here that there's actually um, exceptions to everything I'm going to teach today. Um, we actually, as some of, as ridiculous as some of those things sound, we have actually a family goes to our church. They were driving on the way to, to Seattle and the husband, they were talking and the husband said, you know, well, I, I'll believe in God if he shows me a sign. 
And they drove under a, a bridge overpass, and there was a sign that said, God is real. And he said, okay. And he gave his life to the Lord, and now he comes to Whitewater. So, like, even the things that we would make fun of sometimes, God has a way of using. I was talking, CJ came down uh, after service. He said, actually, the guy that led me to the Lord started yelling at me, and then he put me in a chokehold. And that's what it took to meet the Lord. So, I, you know, I don't know. But uh, obviously, obviously, that's not the ideal way to have a spiritual conversation. And we, today, I want to talk about how to have the right or the best way, in my opinion, to have a spiritual conversations. So, um, uh, the first thing to really talk about is well, why? Why have spiritual com- why have spiritual conversations? And I think there's lots of reasons. One, uh, we're all spiritual beings. We're all on a spiritual journey. Uh, all of us that are here at Whitewater right now have either had been having spiritual conversations or you have spiritual questions and somehow you've ended up at whitewater. Um, so there's definitely a need for that. But I also think for me, um, we're all, every single one of us is an evangelist of something. We all evangelize the things that we love in, in our life. I'm like a natural born evangelism for whatever uh, I'm excited about in the moment. My, my uh, catchphrase in my friend group is, it'll change your life. So like, you know, when uh, Stranger Things came out, I was like, you haven't seen Stranger Things? It's going to change your life. It's amazing. Or, uh, you know, we ate at this restaurant in Rama. It's, it'll change your life. It's incredible. This new band, it's amazing. It'll change your life, right? And that's like my catchphrase. When I, something I love, I just want everybody to know about it. And yet there's a God who has actually changed my life in a radical way. And what more better thing to share uh, than that? And yet I feel like spiritual conversations can be uh, scary or intimidating um, for various reasons, I think that we can be uh, afraid of being rejected. We can be afraid of offending someone. We can be afraid of uh, not being uh, adequate. You know, like I don't, I don't know my Bible very well. Or, or maybe you've been on the backside of a spiritual conversation that didn't go so well. Maybe uh, somebody tried to have a spiritual conversation with you, and you thought, "I never want to do that to anybody else." <laughs> so I'm just going to love people, and, and that's going to be my thing. So. My goal today is to really try to remove some of the stigma and the fear around spiritual conversations and hopefully give us some, some real tips that will help us um, have better spiritual conversations. The, the main point, I have three main points, and the first one is the main one. If you, it's the only thing you remember from today, um, it's this, which is we don't save people. God does. I have zero power to save anybody in this room. Sorry. Uh, but God does. And I think sometimes we can uh, have this feeling like we, we need to save people or this pressure or something. Like we need to close the deal or something like that, right? And, uh, and we don't save people. God saves people. I, God, Jesus says that I have come to seek and save the lost. I believe that God is pursuing all of mankind and he is already working in everybody's life in different ways. They just don't see it yet. And so our job becomes helping point out what God is already doing in people's lives. There's a lot of freedom in that. It's kind of like, oh, okay, cool. And there's a there's an analogy that I um, that I I, 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 I like to use, um, which is this. I think that um, artists. So I'm gonna talk about artists. Now I'm I'm an artist. I play music, and so this is a this uh, analogy works well for me. And if you're like, I'm not really an artist, I think you'd be surprised. I think more people are artists than we realize. We have a lot of mechanics in our church, and uh, when I look at an engine. It's probably like how a lot of you look at sheet music or poetry. You're like, I don't understand it. I look at an engine, I have no idea what's going on. But someone that does, they see the beauty and the art and how things are designed. They can see when it's not working right, and they're able to fix it. So I think many of us are artists and don't even realize it. So artists 
have what's called an artist's eye, right? And this applies also to mechanics, right? But you, you're able to see things that other people maybe miss. So, for, for example, um, you know, I like, I like to hike. I, I almost said I like to hike. I like the idea of hiking. And then I get like halfway up the hill and I'm like, why am I doing this? But when you get to the top, it's beautiful, right? And so how many times have you done this? You've, you, you, you go on a hike, right? And uh, like this is Rattlesnake Ridge. I've hiked there. And it's, 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 it's pretty. It's nice um, if you can breathe by the time you're at the top. And uh, it's really not that bad of a hike, but I thought I was going to die. But then you'll be scrolling through your Instagram feed, and you'll have a friend who's like a photographer who takes a photo of the very same place. And it's beautiful, and you're like, wow, I didn't see it the same way. Artists have this ability to see the world in a way that sometimes we miss. And then by taking a photo of it, by painting a painting, you know, how we could drive to work every day past, you know, a tree on the side of the road and not think twice. But an artist might see that tree and go, oh man, that's a beautiful tree. They'll paint a picture of it, and all of a sudden, they've highlighted that for us. Artists are like highlighters. They highlight things in the world around us that sometimes we miss. And I believe that when we come to know Jesus, we are given eyes for the kingdom, and we're able to see how God is working. Who here has had an experience where you, uh, you came to know Christ, maybe, maybe God, God met you in some way, and you came to know him, and all of a sudden, you just started noticing how he was working around you. Like, oh man, I was at work this week and this crazy thing happened. It was cool. God was doing something. And I had this crazy conversation with someone. And just God was doing something. And when, when I look back on my life, I can now see all the ways that God was like chasing me and pursuing me that I just didn't see then. Have people had that experience? Have you had that experience? When you come to know Christ, you have eyes for the kingdom. And we, like artists, get to be highlighters that start highlighting what God is already doing in people's lives around us. Does that make sense? Cool. Um, I think there's a way of thinking out there that, that goes like, um, if I can argue with someone or convince someone that what they believe is wrong, then they'll believe. Uh, again, there's an exception to everything I'm saying that may have worked like with CJ in certain situations. But for the most part, the problem with that is that Jesus isn't just a set of beliefs. He's a person, and he is already working in people's lives, and we get to help them see him. We're not trying to argue someone to believe a set of beliefs we believe. We're trying to introduce people to the person of Jesus. Um, I used to work at the Apple Store in the Tacoma Mall. I was a, I was a specialist, which is like a, a glorified salesperson. And uh, we have cool names, right? Like genius and, and specialist and, and it's just salesperson and technician. But uh, I, I never sold anything at the Apple store. I never sold anything. I didn't have to because people would come in and they would have already have heard about the uh, the iPod or the computer, or the Mac, or their friend has one or their nephew has one and or they'd been just curious about it and then they'd come in and they'd say, yeah, you know, my, my nephew has a, has a Mac and yeah, but what, what about Microsoft Word? Like, you can't use Microsoft Word on Macs, you know? And, and my job would, you know, be able to talk through it. So I'd say, actually, you know, you can. you can. You can use Microsoft on a Mac, and you can also use Pages, which is our version. You can open Word documents, save Word documents. Oh, okay, cool. You know, well, what, what about this? They ask questions, and you help just kind of answer questions and show them how it works. And then about 20, 30 minutes in the interaction, they go, okay, I think, I think I'm going to buy one. You're like, cool. And then we would take them over to this table, and we would unbox it with them, and we'd help them get all set up, get them signed in, give them a couple tips and tricks. And then I never had to say, now go tell all your friends how great apples are. Because people would just do it, because apples are the best. Right? <laughs> right? Like, it's so true. Like, people who own an apple, like, they won't shut up about it. They're like, the apples are awesome. They're amazing. You don't have to tell people to do it. And in the same way, 
God doesn't need to be sold and he doesn't need to be defended. If God is the real deal, we don't need to sell him to people and we don't need to defend him to people. We just need to answer people's questions and help explain how things work. Does that make sense? Uh, that verse we started with, I want to read again. It says, Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if somebody asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And then there's another translation of that that I like that says it a little differently. It says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. I think that's key and sometimes over, 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 overlooked. And so the next question I have is, where do we do this? Like, where do we have spiritual conversations? And I would make the argument, we do it in relationships. You do it through relationships. When I was working at the Apple store, um, this, this guy got hired, his name's Tim, and he, he walked in the back and we met each other and he said, oh, what's your name, Michael? Cool. He said, what do you like most about the Apple store? And I said, ah, it reminds me of church. Uh, and he kind of laughed, and I kind of explained it, because many of you might be wondering, like, is Apple a cult? Like, is it really a cult? It is. It is a cult. Uh, yeah. The, the logo is a bite out of the Apple. You know, iPhone 6S for what? Satan. We have these, like, credos that we wear in our next name tags. Behind it, there are these little fold-outs that have, like, our beliefs. And we start every day, like, in a huddle, and somebody, like, reads one of the beliefs, like a prayer time. In our training, they literally said, they will know your apple by the way we love one another. That's First John. That's a Bible verse. So, yes, it's a cult. I've drinking the Kool-Aid. It's the way, the truth, and the life. It's the best. It's the best. Yeah. So, I'm in. Uh, and you should, too. Um, no, but so I, you know, I told him, I said, it reminds me of church and we kind of laughed. And, and so over the next couple of years, we built this friendship and, and he would always come up to me and for whatever reason, he'd always use my full name. He'd go, Michael Rapp. I don't know why. Michael Rapp, what do you, what do you think about this? And he'd like ask me a question about spirituality or life or something. And I'd say, oh, well, you know, I, I think this and, and here's why I think that. Uh, what, what, what do you think? And he'd say, oh yeah, well, you know, I really believe that if you're, if you're basically a good person, then like, you know, good things will happen to you. If we just be good people, then like life will be good back. And I say, okay, cool. You know, and then he'd come back a week later. Oh, Michael Rabb, what do you, what do you think about this? Oh, I think this. What do you think? This went on and about two years into our relationship, he got cancer. He's like my age, actually a little bit younger than I am. And all of a sudden his theology of like, if you're a good person, good things will happen to you, isn't working out so well, right? Um, he, he beat cancer, which is awesome. And uh, about a year later, he came back to me and he said, Michael Rabb, I'm rethinking everything you've ever told me. He goes, there's just too much happening in my life. Like even our relationship, like there's just too many things happening to be coincidence. It's like this God person you talk about is like pursuing me. I think I want to know him. And it was just the coolest. It was the, like the coolest thing ever. I'm getting choked up. I uh, have a daughter, so I cry at everything now. It's her, it's her fault. But it is. When you, when you see someone recognize the God that is pursuing them and loves them, it is the best thing in the whole world. But it took three years. It was three years of being Tim's friend and just being a friend, ask, you know, answering questions, and just being there for him. Um, and we don't save people. God does. We get to help point out what God's doing in people's life. It's awesome. Um, I, I'm going to get on the soapbox for just a second. And again, like I said, there's an exception to everything I'm saying, but as the general rule. 
there was a movement in the church, so this might, this might apply to some of you, and some of you might go, I don't even know what he's talking about, so I'm sorry. But there was a movement for a while in the church that was like, you need to, you need to go up to people, and you need to just tell them truth. Just random people. You go up to someone in the store, and you say, you know what? You're going to hell unless you repent. And it doesn't matter if they receive it or not, as long as you say it, and it's true, that's all that matters. And, 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 you know, and if you didn't want to do that, because it seemed like a bad idea, they'd say, they'd say, well, you're not being bold. You need to be bold. Be bold for your faith. And, I'm sorry, this is just my opinion, but anybody can walk up to a stranger and say something awkward and walk away. That's not bold. Bold is letting someone into your life and opening your life and entering their life. That's boldness. It takes sacrifice. It takes time. And and God works through that in powerful ways. So uh, I think we need to redefine what we mean by boldness. Uh, where do we do it? Where do we have spiritual, spiritual conversations? Um, I'm going to propose, there's a couple maybe, but I'm going to propose two. When, when we're asked, like Tim would always come to me and say, Michael Rapp, what do you think about this? And, I, and I'd answer, what would, what would our relationship look like if like, you know, week, week two I was like, hey Tim, you know what I think about this? I think this about this about this. Tim's probably not going to come back to me and be like, hey, what do you think about this? Like, we, 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 when asked, give an answer. That's the verse we just read, right? Like, be, when asked you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, uh, be prepared to give an answer. If someone asks for the hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it, right? So when asked. And then the second one is when you've earned the right. Because sometimes in spiritual conversations, uh, like this happened to me just on, on Thursday. We were having a conversation um, with, a, with a buddy. We've been friends for a while. And he was saying something, and it just wasn't true. And I just had to kind of like, I had to kind of like lay some truth down. And it was kind of a hard pill to swallow. Uh, and I laid it down. It was in the context where we're all laughing and stuff, but I, I, I kind of like kind of pressed in on something, kind of, you know, this is true. And at the end of the day, he sent me a text. He was like, hey, thanks for, thanks for really pushing me on that. You, you, you were right, you know. And, but it was in the context of relationship. Like, I had the chips to say that. Um, and when you don't earn the right, uh, it can be really awkward. I was uh, working at the Apple Store. I, I'm titling my sermon iPods and Spiritual Conversations because we're just going to keep talking about the Apple Store. Because it's a cold. Um, no, I was working at Apple Store, and in the back room where everyone's getting ready, we're putting on our shirts and our name tags and stuff, there was another employee that I worked with who at the time I wouldn't have considered a friend, just a coworker, and he was also a Christian. And I was dating Kenny at the time, my wife, and I was engaged. I was engaged to Kenny. And uh, he walks up to me in the, in the back room in front of everybody and goes, so uh, how's your relationship with uh, Kenny going? And I was like, oh, good, man. It's going good. You know, getting close. Wedding's coming up. It's going to be great. Cool, cool, cool. So uh, you guys hold hands? And I was like, uh, yeah, yes, 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 we do. We're, we're engaged, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> you guys kiss? And I'm like, uh-huh, yep, yep. Yes, we do. We're in love. Cool, cool, cool. You guys hug? And I'm like, weird, going backwards. All right. Uh, <laughs> And then all of a sudden, he, he goes into this, like, devil voice, and he goes, you know, the devil says, it's okay, you can do it, it doesn't matter, but you got to keep it pure, man, got to keep it pure. He did not have the relational chips to say that to me. First of all, it's just awkward, in front of everybody, everyone's looking at me like, what's happening? And I'm like, what are you saying to me? You got to have the ability, you got to earn the right to speak into people's lives. He had not earned the right to speak in my life, and that's an awkward thing to say anyways. Um... <laughs> So how do we how do we move into spiritual conversations? Because I think 
I don't know if this is true for all of us, but for me, oftentimes I get I have these relationships where I'm I'm earning the right and I'm building the relationship, and then it's kind of hard to transition from that into like having a spiritual conversation because we our relationships just like defined around like we have barbecues and we hang out and do whatever, and then like how do you move to like having deeper conversations? And I think that one thing that is really helpful to know sometimes we can feel like people don't want to have spiritual conversations and we don't want to make it awkward. I really think I believe that. People are hungry for spiritual conversations because we're spiritual beings and we all have spiritual questions. We're all on a spiritual journey and there's not really um, an area in life where that happens. Like not m- most, most of us don't like talk with our box, our bosses about spiritual things. Um, I work at a church, so I do. Uh, but and not many of us, some of us don't even talk to our, our spouses or our wives about it. It's like this very personal thing and we just, you just don't go there. And I believe, my experience has been, that people are hungry for permission to talk about those things. I'm surprised. Even the, like, even I have one of, one of, one of my neighbors is just kind of a, a rough around the edges, and you think, I don't think that that guy ever wants to talk about spiritual things. And somehow it, it came up in a conversation, it was like he was just so excited to have someone to talk with us about, you know? And, uh, and so I think that one of the ways we can do that is by being vulnerable, by being vulnerable with, with people, gives other people permission to go there. Uh, I was, another guy that I worked with at the Apple Store, um, a good friend of mine now, he was a, here he is, he's an evangelical atheist, is what, I, is what I call it. He doesn't believe in God, and he's also on a mission to help yeah, um, um, emancipate people who believe from their beliefs. He wants to free people from you know, the belief that they believe. And, and uh, we'd kind of gotten to know each other a little bit, and we were walking on a break, and I was now married for about a year, and he was engaged to his uh, fiancée, and and he said, so how's the first year of marriage going? And I could have said, like, oh, man, it's great. It's awesome. It's rad. But instead, I was vulnerable, and I was honest. I said, you know, man, it's kind of hard. It's been it's been hard. Like, you know, my wife, she when the conflicts, she tends to shut down, and I tend to want to, like, talk more, and so I push her on it, and she shuts down more, and, and it, it can be like fire and oil, and it, you know, it really forces me to look at how God has loved me and really try to emulate that in the way that I love Kenny. And he stops, and he goes, you know, that's the best application of Scripture I've ever heard. You want to get a beer sometime? And I was just like, wait, what? And so we went to BJ's, and we started this thing where once a month we would have beer and theology, and we'd get a beer, and we'd just talk spirituality. And uh, and it was awesome, and that turned from that into what really was just a friendship. And then a couple, about a year down the road, he asked me to help officiate his wedding. So here I am, this Christian pastor, and here he is, this like starch atheist, asking me to officiate his wedding, and we've just remained like close friends ever since. Um, but it was just through being vulnerable, like, hey, here's what's going on in my life that took that conversation to another level. So that's a good tip, a good tool to use for that. Um, another part of being vulnerable, I think, is being willing to, to admit that you're wrong. I feel like some people think that when you're having spiritual conversations or you're debating beliefs that if you don't know the answer, you should just like act like you do. <laughs> if you don't know the answer, just say you don't. And, and even with my conversations with my, with, with, with my friend, there were things he pushed me on that I'd go, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I don't know. And then I'd actually go back and realize that what I was believing wasn't actually true. We, all of us have something to teach each other, even if we believe different things, because spiritual conversations are pursuits of truth. We're pursuing truth. So if truth is true, it's going to be found. 
right? It doesn't need to be defended. It doesn't need to be sold. If we're all pursuing truth, then what is true will be found. And sometimes that challenges what we believe. Sometimes that challenges what other people believe. But we're all growing together on a spiritual journey to discover truth. So I think that's really important. Um, and then the other one that I think is a really good uh, a good way to build um, spiritual conversations is just to share your your story. Share your story. Nobody can argue with your story. It's your story. And even in my conversations with my friend, you know, who doesn't believe in the Bible, doesn't believe, I can't like give him like scripture verses or whatever. He doesn't believe in any of that. Like at the end of the day, there's this God that loves me and has changed my life and I'm not the same person I was. And that's my story. And you can't, you can't argue with that. You can disagree with the conclusion, but it's just a great way to enter those conversations and then learn their story. We make the mistake of assuming that we all start at the same place, but we don't. And everybody has a story and everyone, we all have something we can learn about each other. So it's a great way to start those, those conversations. My sermon's short today. It's like a TED talk. Is that, is that all right? Has this been helpful for people? Okay. Is this helping alleviate some of the fear around it? Like I, my goal is at the end, you go, man, I can, I can, I can have spiritual conversations with people, right? So my, my three points are this. Number one, we don't, my, my iPad still says we don't Dave people. We don't save people. I didn't fix that between services. God does. It's our job to help point him out, to point out what he's already doing in others' lives. We don't save people. God does. It's our job to point out what he's already doing in people's lives. Two, we do this through relationship. And then three, the best way to begin spiritual conversations is to be vulnerable and share your story. Yeah? There's probably a couple different uh, groups of people here in this room. Some of us, we, we may have been having spiritual conversations with the wrong kind of boldness and for the wrong reasons. And, and you might be sitting here today and there might be someone that's popping in your mind that you actually need to go back and apologize to and do the bold work of building a relationship that's rooted in love and actually getting to know that person. Um, some of us, I think there's probably a lot of us in this room, I fall into this camp at times, we're really good at earning the right but then we have a really hard time actually speaking when we've earned that right. We, we love loving people. I love on people. We just like have people over for barbecues. It's great. We hope that they see Jesus in me and that'd be great. But we don't know how to enter into that another le- like layer of relationship where we're talking about these things that matter. So my encouragement to you is who is the person or people in your life that through being vulnerable and through telling your story, you can take that relationship to another level where you're actually together on a journey to discover truth. And then I imagine there's a lot of us in this room who you don't consider yourself a Christian. And uh, you're here at this church thing and you're not even sure why you're here. Um, my encouragement to you would be this. Start to look for the ways that God might be working in your life. Because I believe he is. I believe that he loves you. I believe he gave everything to have relationship with you. And I believe he's already working in your life. The fact that you're here on August 5th in this weird firehouse on a not-so-hot summer day is his hand in your life working. Um, And if you have spiritual questions, you're in the right place. Because we're all on a spiritual journey. And we're all discovering truth together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and we'll go back into time of worship. God, we love you so much. And I just thank you, God, that you're a patient God. You've been so patient with each one of us as we continue to learn and we screw things up and we get things wrong. Um, God, you love us and you're pursuing all of us. Um, And I just pray that together as a church, as we 
as we have spiritual conversations and we pursue truth together, God, that you would reveal it to us and that we would discover truth. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.